Hello, everyone. This is Ronnie with Everything Vive. Um, I, again, I have a great special guest today on the show today, uh, Neil Trevitt. He's, pres- he's vice president of developer ecosystems at NVIDIA. And more aptly for today's uh, discussion, he is the elected president of the Kronos Group. Hey. Uh, yeah. Um, Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us on, on the show. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, you know, get listeners up to speed on, on what Kronos Group is up to right now concerning virtual reality, augmented reality. And uh, you know, my understanding is the big announcement here at GDC for you guys is that you are releasing uh, the first implementations of, of OpenXR for, for public use, correct? That's right, exactly. And OpenXR is the um, standard that we've been working on for a couple of years now, and it's a pretty big milestone for us here at GDC because we're releasing the the first specification publicly and the first implementations are shipping. So um, we're really looking forward to getting the feedback from the industry to see what they think. Awesome. Well, it's super exciting. Uh, Just for those out there that don't have a background in what Kronos Group is all about, uh, can you explain to to the listeners what Kronos Group is? Yes. So Kronos Group, we're um, we're an industry consortium, and our mission (laughs) is to create open, royalty-free standards to let software developers creating applications to get tap into the goodness of hardware acceleration. And that's hardware acceleration for things like 3D graphics, which is... Vulkan and OpenGL have mm-hmm. been our, um, perhaps our best-known standards for a while now. Mm-hmm. But we also do things like parallel computation, vision processing, increasingly machine learning, uh, acceleration, and, of course, AR and VR, which we call XR. So A and V equals X. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good way, a good way of, rem- of, of reminding ourselves what XR is. Right. Um, yeah, I, I saw that your, your title was elected president of Kronos Group, and I understand that the consortium means that you know, it's basically a, a, you know, a, a group that is comprised of individuals from uh, all around the industry that are uh, you know, parties that have an interest in, in what in, in these open standards. Yes. Uh, how did you get involved with, with Kronos Group originally and, and OpenXR perhaps specifically? Yeah, well, so yes, you're exactly right. So, so Kronos is open to anyone, any company who wants to join is welcome to join. And the more companies that get involved, the better because that means we have more participation mm-hmm. and we get everyone's perspective to make sure that the standards that we build you know, are going to meet the needs of the industry. We currently have 140 members and about 15 active standards Vulkan, OpenGL, OpenCL, and now Open, OpenXR, all of those working groups and all the work that gets done within Kronos is from the uh, individuals from the member companies. Mm-hmm. And that includes, uh, we have a board of directors too, again, being drawn from uh, the member companies, and you know, they elect the officers to the board every year. Now, personally, I've been uh, involved with Kronos longer than I like to <laughs> like to admit about 18 years now. Okay. And uh, every year they elect the uh, the president, and for some reason they keep reelecting. Me <laughs> <the way. laughs> well, that's I, that's a good sign. So, um, who who are the major players involved? Because I know you said it's open to anyone, but uh, uh, relating to virtual reality, perhaps more specifically, who are the major players um, in the consortium? Yeah. So now we have everyone from Google and Apple. Okay. And all the way down to you know, small startup companies, and you know, everyone is welcome. The uh, for 3D graphics, we have all pretty much all the GPU vendors: you know, AMD, Intel, Nvidia, all the mobile vendors like Qualcomm, 
no arm, etc. Varicilicon uh, are on the board too. Um, for, for VR, we're very lucky that OpenXR attracted a lot of the key players you know, very early on. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have you know, Valve, Oculus, HTC. Um, on the mobile side, you know, uh, Google, Samsung. And the first wave of participants were the, the VR vendors. Mm -hmm. um, and we thought that AR was going like, to be a, a follow-on on mm -hmm. the first version of the spec. But as it turned out, you know, the AR uh, companies you know, came in uh, hot and heavy too, which is awesome. So uh, now we have uh, Microsoft uh, that does both VR with their mixed reality headsets and AR with the HoloLens mm -hmm. and Magic Leap mm -hmm. uh, just recently joined too. Excellent. So you now we have a good representation from both the AR and the VR sides of the industry. Okay, and just curious, um, what is it about VR and AR that requires a, uh, a separate API from OpenGL and, and Vulkan? So if you look at the everything that a, an XR app has to do, um, it, it really falls into two halves. Um, most of the application is uh, figuring out where all of the sensors are and what and the inputs you're getting from the sensors. Everything from the position of the of the, the user themselves, the, the, the pose of the HMD, uh, all of the input devices they may have, which may go from anything from a handheld controller with buttons to um, like the HoloLens now does an awesome hand tracking. Mm -hmm. you're, you're detecting the environment, all the sensors. You're having to mix those sensor inputs in real time with the displayed imagery. Mm -hmm. And you, know, you need to manage the life cycle of that application. How do you boot up all the resources you need? How do you detect what sensors are in the system you're running on right now? Yeah. So that's everything that OpenXR handles. Okay. But the one thing I didn't mention was actually generating the display. So you still need a 3D renderer okay. API okay. to actually draw the pixels, you know, be it for VR or AR uh, displays. So you would use OpenXR alongside a 3D rendering API, you know, Vulkan, for example. But you know, we're, we're kernels, we love Vulkan, but you can use it alongside DirectX <laughs> or OpenGL or okay. OpenGL ES, you know, whatever 3D API uh, you want. And OpenXR gives you enough information that flows into the application that the application can understand how to drive the 3D API. So there is a kind of a, a link through the application from OpenXR into like, the 3D API that you're using. Okay. And my understanding, and my understanding is fairly limited, but uh, my understanding is that some of the manufacturers currently use their own SDKs or their own separate uh, ecosystems? Yeah. So, so the, the way that the VR industry has grown up, every um, uh, hardware manufacturer, everyone who makes a AR or VR system, you know, an HMD, or some kind of display system that you wear or look through through your phone, mm -hmm. um, they all have a, what we call a, a runtime. Now, it's the runtime engine that's running on, on the system that is doing all the sensor handling and the 3D rendering. You know. And because a lot of these... Uh, XR runtimes were developed in parallel. They do similar things, okay. uh, but they all use different APIs yeah. uh, because they're all inventing their APIs in, in parallel, in isolation. Mm -hmm. um, so now we've ended up in a situation where uh, you know, we have a dozen or so runtimes in the industry, yeah. and you know, they're all, all pretty good, but they're all different to use from the application's point of view. Okay. So this, this, is, a, this is a classic fragmentation that is like music to the ears of, of, of standards bodies because <laughs> it means we can add some value to, to the uh, ecosystem. Uh, no, right now, before OpenXR, an application developer has to write once 
on, you know, on their chosen development platform. Then they had to keep reporting it over and over again. The, the promise of OpenXR is that all those runtimes can expose the same OpenXR APIs. And all the companies shipping these runtimes have come into the Kronos group to decide what that API should be. Okay. Um, and that means, you know, over the next few months, and so as the runtimes roll out their OpenXR APIs, a software developer will be able to write once to the OpenXR API set, and then they'll be able to run anywhere without changing you know, a single line of source. Okay, and and what led you you all to uh, feel like the the standard is ready for public release? What made this this point nine uh, release uh, you know viable at this current time? Yeah, so that's, that's a good question. So you know, a, a generation one, you know, the first gen of a new um, API typically takes like eighteen to twenty four months. So we're in that kind of window. Um, it it's taken a little bit longer than we. First thought, but I think it's going to be worth the wait because instead of all the companies coming together and just distilling it down to the kind of the borrowing lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. what we've discovered with OpenXR is a lot of companies have come to the table with their like um, first generation XR API experience okay. and learnings and wanting to work together to not just create a portability solution but to kind of create the next generation Understood. of XR APIs that hopefully will make developers' lives you know, even easier. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of good design you know, in the XR, things like abstracting inputs and having flexibility on a number of you know, viewports you can display that uh, I think, yes, are, are going to be uh, worth the wait. But we th- now think we're to the point where we have a specification that we think is complete and we, we love it. Um, but because it is a first-generation uh, release, Kronos often goes through what we call a provisional release cycle, which means we think it's done, but we want to get the perspective of the wider industry before we do the final bake into a 1.0. So it doesn't necessarily need to take very long. We're talking a few months to gather input and to make any last tweaks and changes. Mm -hmm. Whilst we are finishing off the conformance tests and we're getting more uh, companies doing implementations, all of these activities feed together into making the best 1.0 spec we can. Okay, and just curious. Um, my understanding is there's you know several companies that are releasing their implementations of OpenXR, at least a couple right now, and then probably yes. more in the works. Yes. Um, what What are the? How does the implementation of OpenXR affect what developers are able to get out of the API? I'm just kind of curious. Like, what are the differences? Yeah. So the you're right. So we're, it's actually it's really awesome to be able to have implementations that ship along with the spec. Now, we have a bunch of companies that are implementing. We have uh, prototype implementation, but a couple were ready yeah. uh, on day, day zero. And now uh, Microsoft is shipping an OpenXR runtime for their mixed reality headsets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said they're going to do HoloLens 2 in the future, but that's not today. That's the mixed reality is what's supported today. And we have uh, a company, Collabora, who are very active in the open source space. They have an open source implementation of the Open OpenXR Um APIs which are running on Windows and Linux and support any HMDs that uh, are compatible with the Open HMD open source framework. So that gives you access to things like Oculus and Vive. Okay. 
And, and so it sounds like the, the main benefit uh, for, for developers of, of trying to use some of these implementations now or, or getting into open, open XR is it, it kind of it helps them future-proof and kind of more easily uh, access the wide variety of HMD uh, hardware platforms yes. that are out there. Yes, that's right. So also you mean the, the, the implementations that we have shipping today you know, are, are the early implementations. And there might be some changes as we go from point nine. To 1.0, but we're not expecting radical changes. Okay. So developers that want to get an early start on understanding and are coming up the learning curve on OpenXR, I think you know, the implementations that we have are you know, an excellent basis for doing that, and hopefully for providing feedback into Kronos. You know, if they have something that they need for their business, we'd love to hear about that, because you know, we want to make sure that OpenXR you know, truly meets the needs of the industry. Excellent. And uh, from from the consumer side of things, uh, what kind of benefits do do they see from, I guess, the developer choice in SDK? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. Well, actually, the good thing is that OpenXR uh, is a win-win-win for everyone in the industry, including the consumer. Uh, no one really loses here. Um, the software developers, as you mentioned, they benefit because they can write once and ship on a whole bunch of hardware, so they mm-hmm. get more sales and deeper market penetration. The hardware vendors, they benefit because now they can get more content to run on their platform. Any OpenXR-compatible app will run on their OpenXR-compatible system. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as you say, the most important winner is the end user because now an end user will be um, kind of guaranteed to get the applications that they want running on their particular purchased system. Today we're in a kind of a weird startup phase where we have like a, it's a VHS versus Betamax. Mm-hmm. You know, if I buy this system, will I get the application? Oh no, the application I wanted runs on the other guy. Yeah, uh, and it creates confusion and it creates a resistance to investing in you know, your hard-earned dollars into mm-hmm. you know, a, a VR AR system. And we hope that OpenXR will you know, play a, a part in reducing that confusion and providing end-user confidence. No, that, that oh, makes sense from, uh, like you were saying, from both a consumer as well as the development side of things because I know that, um, you know, fragmentation leads to difficulty in development but it also leads to uh, a fragmented marketplace where, you know, you have pockets of people on each platform, There, you know, cross-play becomes difficult, yes. uh, knowing how many uh, people are actually out there and able to purchase your title has been a problem in the past. If yes. you launch on the wrong platform, you might be dead in water before you even launch the, the yes, game. So that's right. And, and no one benefits from that kind of confusion and that kind of market fragmentation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we hope OpenXR um, is not magic. It's not going to solve everything overnight. But sure. It's one piece of the puzzle that we think that Kronos can bring to the table to you know, help the industry. Yeah. And, and, and just to be clear for listeners, uh, OpenXR uh, is is available and works on pretty much everything from like the lowest the lowest end VR uh, and AR implementations to the highest, correct? Yeah, I mean that's the intent. I mean yeah. um, each vendor will decide you know, when to ship their particular implementation but we have a lot of good you know, support and clearance sure. that people are going to do that. But yes, in terms of, of design um, it's OpenXR is intended to go from your mobile phone you know, all the way up to you know, large cave systems and everything you know, in between. Okay, excellent. Well, uh, yeah, it, are there any... Sp- I know you said that uh, you don't foresee major changes between uh, the point nine release and, and you know, version 1, mm-hmm. um, but it, are there specific things that you hope to see implemented in the future that is that 
that that is something you know is kind of needs some work before being implemented, or um, n- not really? Well, I think the um, one real ripe area for innovation is input devices. I mean, one my favorite example is foveal tracking. You know, you don't have to point anymore; you just look. Yeah. Uh, and you can. Know, I want to go over there. You just look and blink, kind of. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than have to wave around a controller. But that's just the first step in all kinds of innovative input devices. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, the um, OpenXR is going to be able to easily accommodate those mm-hmm. because we have this nicely abstracted input framework. It's very future-proof. Okay. But as as people find new ways of using these new devices, I think new kinds of applications will become possible. And there's no doubt OpenXR is going to have to evolve over time to meet the needs of the industry. But that's you know, something that Kronos you know, is you know, well set up to uh, cope with. You know, all our APIs, uh, uh, an API standard that's not moving forward you know, is not getting used in the industry. So it, it's going to be a multi-year effort to make sure that OpenXR keeps up with the needs of the XR industry, particularly in this early phase as we're all kind of exploring you know, what's possible. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time to explain to, to us you know, what OpenXR is all about. Really excited about the announcement, really excited for uh, some of the talks that you guys have uh, later today, and yeah, best of luck with the release. Great. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you very much.